Prepare to be astonished. It's that time again. Let's get started. From the Clatsop County Historical Society, an adventure in history with Matt Burns and Alana Quila. You should never be allowed to talk to people. Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. And now, with today's adventure, it's Mac and Alana. Good evening and welcome to an adventure in history. We are well into March. We're marching through the year. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And having fun while we're doing it. We have a very special guest here tonight. We do. One that has taken months and months of planning to get her here. She's busy. And she's here. She's traveled all over the world to be with us tonight. Thank you. Tell us something about yourself or maybe about your travels. Don't introduce yourself yet. About your travels recently. Just very brief. And we'll see if people can recognize who you are. Hmm. Well, probably the most fun trip recently was to go to St. Thomas in the Virgin Islands, U.S. Virgin Islands, um, where we connected with a mission group and had really a fun time. And beautiful weather. And beautiful weather. That wasn't the worst part. It wasn't the reason for the trip. It was just a happy bonus. It was a happy bonus. (laughs) Yes. So that's Constance Wiseman. Thank you for coming. I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad we made this happen. I like that you made it sound like she's traveled the world to get here. She has. Well, I mean, she came back to us, right? I came all the way from Napa today. There you go. (laughs) I'm picturing like the old time news clips with the spinning globe and we've traveled all over the world, but that just shows how old I am. Yes. (laughs) I did a thing at at my Rotary Club like last week or two weeks ago, we had Walter Cronkite was on the This Day in History and I was like, oh my gosh, and I used it the next day and my, my joke was, and if you just heard Walter Cronkite's voice in your head... You're old like I am, and that'll be a dollar. So, oh, nice. And I was truly wanting to know how many people even could picture what he sounded like. So is this why we do the This Day in History for the next day? It's a two for one. Oh, sometimes. So, oh, now I know. I mean, we do it so that you at work can bring these little tidbits with you. That's but right. it also saves you one less This Day in History search. I, 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 two birds with one stone. <laughs> now I know. That's just like a horrible statement. Oh, it is. Who's who's throwing rocks at birds? Right. Not us. Don't ask. Yeah, let's move along here. Um, So unless we got anything to plug, we don't. So let's move along because this is going to be a great conversation. So these are, as always, icebreakers or things to discuss at Rotary tomorrow. Yes. So you don't uh, have to pay your fine. At at work or anyplace else. Uh, Things that happened on March 20th, 1778. King Louis XVI, or as I call it, XVI. (laughs) Uh, receives U.S. representatives Benjamin Franklin, Silas Dean, and Arthur Lee. He had been skeptical of the fledgling republic, but his dislike for Britain eventually overcame these concerns. Oh, okay. That was almost going to be my history highlight. That's a big one. Because France recognizing us and then coming to help really seals the deal. Okay. Uh, 1930. American fast food restaurant chain Kentucky Fried Chicken is founded by Colonel Harlan Sanders in North uh, Corbin, Kentucky. Oh, it actually is founded by a Colonel Sanders. I think it was one of the, I mean, you know, in this time period, people just made up. Like, well, sure. I'm Captain so-and-so. I'm... But the fact that that was someone's name. But, but he certainly <laughs> called himself Colonel. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 1965, LBJ sends federal troops to Alabama to protect a civil rights march from Selma to Montgomery. Oh, okay. Well, way to go, LBJ. Yes. You know, people seem to forget they, they, they want to say JFK really started, but but LBJ is the guy that got all the civil rights stuff done. Right. So um, it's one of the reasons to, to, you got to 
You got to give that one to LBJ. Um, and I, I have a tie oh. for the history highlight of the day. Okay, maybe we'll break it. So 1850, yeah, you can both vote on this. 1852, Uncle Tom's Cabin is published, Harriet Beecher Stowe. Yep. It changes perception. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also along the same lines, you have to think about the history now, not, not today. 1854, just two years later, Republican Party is founded. Okay. Eight- and it's in large part a free the slaves party. Yes. Because that early Republican Party yeah. was very much... My similar to our change. Filled, filled with abolitionists, yes. <laughs> yes. So that's why I said you got to think about the time period here. Right. So. I don't know which one. I, you're right. I think those are both very influential. Or we could throw them both out. We can go back to uh, King <laughs> Louis the Sixteenth welcoming Benjamin Franklin. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so that's it. Did I miss anything? No, those are good. Wow, that's like three weeks in a row. I know, you're on a roll. I think you're just not doing any homework. (laughs) It could be. It could be, Mac. But it also could be because I know that our guest tonight um, has lots of good stories to share. That's right. Yeah. So Constance, let's start with how you ended up here on the North Oregon coast. Oh, that's a simple one. Okay. (laughs) So first I ended up in California, you know, sort of those wandering days of, uh, you know, before the prefrontal cortex has kicked in. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. And um, I got kind of bored, you know, being sort of a wanderer hippie. is It's fun mm-hmm. for a while, but... Mm-hmm. So I went to uh, engineering school. Wow. And hippie to engineering school. We'll, we'll love, come back yeah, to this. Yeah, that, that needs to look exploring. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a degree in chemical engineering, and then by that point I realized that California was going to be a really expensive and fast-growing and not really my type of place to hang. So I interviewed um, with Crown Zellerback, a name that many around here will remember, and uh, took a job at the Wanna Mill. Wow. I, so, so backing up just a bit, you're wandering about. Where were you wandering from, and yes. what led you to California? Oh, Minnesota. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's where all Finns come from. <laughs> <laughs> they don't come from Finland. They don't. No, they, they go by way of Michigan or Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. So, so are you 100% Finn? Purebred. Wow, all right. I've even had my DNA done, and my brother somehow has a little bit of Kazakhstan or something in him. I don't know how that could happen, like 1%. Me? No, 100%. And not only from Finland, but from a very small area of Finland. Oh, interesting. Like, my gene pool's really small. (laughs) (laughs) So doing the DNA testing versus any family trees, do, do they both match up? And you're like, oh, yeah, that's our records say everybody's from that town. Yeah, we might not have all the names right. You never know. There was more um, going on in those days than we like to think. Sure. Certainly than my mother told me was going oh. on. I've given up trying to spell Finnish words and names. Just, Just add, not. whenever you're in doubt, add another consonant. <laughs> <laughs> Double everything. That's good advice. Yeah. And then if you run out of things to do, just combine two words into one long one. Because they actually do that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And, and say, say it like, fast. I feel like say it fast. Yeah. And all in staccato. It's... Not an emotional, romantic kind of language. So was it your parents or grandparents then who came from Finland? So my grandparents came from Finland. And interestingly enough, though, like I said, my gene pool is small. My parents' parents came from very close places in Finland, huh. like like from here to Klatskanai. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. I don't know if they knew this or not or... If it's just what there was to pick from. Mm-hmm. And have you connected that to other people in the 
the county as to, because I mean, I know, remember when we had Eric Paulson on and he said that he, or maybe it was Sari um, Hartman, Sari Hartman, my husband and Eric Paulson all come from a town or three towns in Finland that are 30 miles from one another. Yeah, that's right. The three of them. That. Have you, yeah. I mean, have you done that similar geography and with Not other with people? anyone else here, no. Okay. But now I'll have to ask Mark. Yes. We got to, we got to see if we're. If you're right there on that map. Yeah. He might be part of my gene pool. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> It's a crazy small world. It is. It's good to know well, these things. This is a crazy small world. So, yeah. It isn't all like this. <laughs> so what leads you to California? Um, the lifestyle. <laughs> she was in Minnesota. <laughs> so what yeah. part of what part did you go to? Northern or Southern California? I was in Northern California. We, Beautiful. We started out in Marin County and then um, kind of lived up on a mountain there and just in the woods and then it started to rain and we found indoor housing and ended up in uh, the Auburn area. So true hippie, you were not living in, you were living in out of a, a a, a VW bus. She she wants us to move I know. No, it it was an old Chevrolet Impala. Oh my goodness. I love this. Yeah. And a, and a tent, not, not a motorhome. No, a tent. Okay. Yeah. This was not legal. You realize that part. It was a state park. The statute of limitations is passed, I'm <laughs> yeah. sure. Yeah. So then from that to chemical engineering. So <laughs> lead us down that path. Well, um, so the nice thing in California is that all of the junior college system is free to residents. And so I started there. And I thought, well, first I should take the things that I sort of blew off in high school. And so I took chemistry because... I blew that off in high school. I just went in the class like two days and went like, this sucks, and I left. (laughs) And so I talked to a counselor, and he said, well, what kind of chemistry do you want to do? And I said, well, you know, like I might want to be a veterinarian. You know, he says, oh, well, this is the right chemistry for you. He never bothered to ask if I'd taken high school chemistry. So about halfway through the first quarter, I'm asking my professor a question. He just looks at me like, well, didn't you learn this in high school? I said, I didn't take high school chemistry. That's why I'm taking it now. He's like, oh, this is chemistry for like doctors and math majors and <laughs> physicists. And I'm like, well, look, I'm halfway through the quarter and I've got to be, I'm not going back. So yeah. So then um, I started looking for a career that I could actually get a job with a four-year degree, still kind of hoping maybe I'd do vet med at some point. But after four years of chemical engineering and very nice job offers, I sort of went that direction. And had your parents gone to college or, I mean, was education Um, something that was important that... So my parents are World War II generation. Um, My mother was college educated, but she's a teacher. And in those days, that was a two-year degree, but she then completed her four-year degree because it gave her a nice bump in pay. Um, My father, I'm sure, would have gone to college. He was very bright, but... World War II was a big interruption in their lives, and he came back from World War II, and he wanted to marry my mother, and they did, and they bought a nice little farm, and he raised cows, cows and milk. Do you still have family back in Minnesota then? Um, My sister still lives there, but both of my parents are gone now. Any family farm still there? Not in the family. Not in the family. No. But is the farm there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, there's no subdivisions so? in northern Minnesota. There's, I'm not sure what the reason could be. Oh, <laughs> Not a strip mall on it yeah. or something? No, no strip mall, no Walmart, <laughs> yeah. nothing. So still cows. Yeah, still cows. Nice. No, I think 
dairy farming in northern Minnesota is a very difficult business because of the number of months that everything is frozen and you have to provide for the animals. Right. So no one in the family wanted to take that over. Sure. <laughs> so then you came out to Astoria and tell what year was that? And then 1979. And you've stayed since or did you? I have been here the whole time. The whole time. I think I sort of had this notion. I mean, George uh, Carnzella back and then the successor companies are big companies. I would have loved to have been transferred to Europe or something like that. But, you know, you get kids in school and, you know, Napa's a really tight community and mm-hmm. they play basketball and <laughs> have a good time. And the next thing you know, you know, it's 45 years later, you're like, wow, <laughs> I guess I'm still here. <laughs> so, so had you ever visited Oregon or Napa or Astoria before being recruited to this job? No, nope, just came up for the job interview. And what were your impressions? Oh, I loved it. It was like woodsy. It was like Minnesota. I mean, there's a lot of similarity between Astoria and Finland and Minnesota in terms of the amount of woods, the kind of industries, the um, just the general environment. And how quickly did you clue in that there was a huge Finn population? Oh, my gosh. It was so funny. In those days, we had the, the Svensson Co-op. And then I walk in the Svensson Co-op to get whatever, probably split peas. And... <laughs> All of a sudden, I hear the mother tongue, uh-huh. and I'm like, oh, my God, that's Finnish. I had no idea, not a clue. It oh. was sort of one of those little lightning bolt moments in my life. And could you speak Finnish? Did you? I can swear. Oh. <laughs> she knows the importance. So did you stuff. swear not, at not that here. woman? <laughs> no. No, okay. No. You waited. I can say, like, hello. Okay. Things like that. But no, I, but I knew immediately, like, what it was. There's, Finnish is a very unique language. Yes. Mm-hmm. So what about going into your career at that point, too? So women in chemical engineering was, I mean, at that point, there was just me. So what was that? What was that environment like? I mean, let alone the mill itself, too, is a very male-dominated industry, too. Yes. So the interesting thing is, you know, in, in the paper industry, there's certainly a management level. I was management. Um, and then there's the hourly workers. And I found the hourly workers just took me under wing. They were wonderful. The managers, let's just say not so much. They were meeting a target, a token, Mm -hmm. and at times it was extremely difficult, Mm. extremely difficult. I actually had people say to me that I was taking a job away from a man that was wrong, things like that. I mean, just unbelievable. How do you even react to that? Because you don't want to lose your job and suddenly you're a troublemaker, but you also want to stand up for yourself. I just say my children need to be fed just like yours. That's a great answer. Yep. Wow. And so has the has that evolved? Has it changed or did it change over your career there? What what did you, you know, notice? I, w- I would love to tell you that the work environment is like what I dreamed it would be at this age, but it's not. It's still very difficult for women in um, a lot of industries. And I think what happens is like happens with any class of people. I see this happen with, you know, my black friends and with people of color. We get so used to putting up with things that we should not put up with. And you're always riding that fine line between I, I want to get along, I don't want to make waves, but this just isn't right. It's, and it's still out there in so many fields. I mean, if you still look at women's wages compared to men's, even in the same field, even when we're doing the same work. Yep, 80 cents to the dollar. Yep. Yeah, across the board. Wow. Yeah. 
So it's, it's pretty sad. So, so what does a chemical engineer do at the Wana Mill? Oh, we make toilet paper. <laughs> you probably didn't realize how complicated your toilet paper is. <laughs> we, we appreciate I'm, it. Yes, yeah. good. I was yes. hoping, I'm hoping there'd be a little bit of thank you here yes, for my service. Yes, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> So if you think about a process like paper making, which is really pretty fantastic and amazing, um, there is, first of all, you have to make the pulp. And so that's a chemical process. Um, then you recycle those chemicals. So the amount of chemicals in the mill recycled is significant. And if they weren't, it wouldn't be an economically viable business. You'd pay a lot more for your toilet paper. So there's a chemical recovery cycle. And then there's also the paper making itself, which to get the qualities you want in a sheet of paper, whether you want it to be something you can write on or whether you want it something you can blow your nose on, are quite different. But it starts out the same way. It's the fibers out of the tree. It's the cellulose. So um, separating the cellulose from the hemicellulose is in the pulping process. And then there's all the chemical additives you put in the paper to make it come out to be what a consumer needs. And so as a manager, what was the size of your department then? I mean, what does that look like? Um, so, you know, first you start out as a process engineer, so you're not supervising anyone. And then my first supervisory job, I think I had about 35 people and all of them older than me. And were they chemical engineers as well? No. No. Okay. They were hourly workers. Okay. Um, but the processes at WANA are sophisticated enough that the hourly workers there are really quite skilled. Um, they're skilled in a very specific area, but, um, everything's computerized, um, and of course, that just continues. So that that's the second part of my two-part question is how has that industry changed? Because I assume now it's a lot of automation, but I assume when you started, it really wasn't. It was you making decisions of add this, take away that. And then my, my first part of that question was actually, was this something in college you you learned this whole process? Or is that something oh, heck no. you <laughs> learned it when you got here? No, I, I learned about how to... Uh, basically separate oil and um, I mean chemical engineers are used to all kinds of businesses like one job I interviewed for was making fake cheese mm. I mean I just I had a moral objection I couldn't do that I have a dairy farmer's daughter but fake cheese yeah you don't even want to know where it goes oh yeah, don't <laughs> okay yeah avoid processed food that's all I would uh. tell you but you know I mean the the very first job I had as a summer intern I was making the phosphoric acid for Pepsi-Cola and Coca-Cola what just so you know this stuff's so bad Ugh. that if you put your finger in, it'll dissolve your finger right off. Yeah, we had a horrible accident with one of the other engineers, and yeah, it blinded him. Oh, I mean, oh my goodness. Yeah, but go ahead. Enjoy your Coke. <laughs> oh, gosh. I, am I not <laughs> supposed to mention Pepsi product towns. names? <laughs> no, no. Oh, yeah, we are a Pepsi town. Yeah, sorry, Willis. It's oh. only in Coke. It's <laughs> only Coke. So, so talk about the differences, uh, computerization, or from when you started to to when you left. What was, I mean, how so different it, did the mill it's get? It's kind of interesting because, um, you know, I also do some work with the hospital. Mm-hmm. And I see the degree of computerization that we have in things like employee uh, medical health records. And 20 years ago, I had better technology in that to make toilet paper. You know, it's, it's amazing to me that, I mean... There's a, a, a very strong incentive for a manufacturing place to learn how to do things in a reproducible way and to automate as much of that possible, automate out the human error, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it was pretty well automated with regular controllers when I got there. But then what we layered on top of that was computers um, that, you know, 
and you know we had touch screens back before you guys ever saw one you know running the where you could touch a valve and change a flow or so we need a manufacturing company to take over healthcare industry in the United States. I had tried to talk one of our engineers into doing just that. I'm like, healthcare record needs you. I know. Healthcare records, I mean, we have come a long way. Oh, we've come a huge way. A huge way. I mean, it was paper. I mean, it's, I mean, we could talk about other areas of healthcare that haven't gone automated mm-hmm. yet because they're not required to. I'm not going to say which industry. It's not the one we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but they only did it because they had to. Yeah, we gave up paper like in probably the early 1980s. Oh my goodness! Wow. And we were making paper. Figure that. But <laughs> and it was that not doesn't seem right. <laughs> every like in any situation, those are rough transitions for mm-hmm. sure. the people who do the work. They just like their old way of doing it, and they're afraid the computer's going to eat the data. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that transition happened a long, long time ago. So to ask the to, to demonstrate that I'm not a science person, I'm a history guy. <laughs> I'm going to ask perhaps the stupidest question tonight: What kind of uh, wood makes the best toilet paper? Ah. Is, is there differences? Is there yes. preferred? You okay? This is a this is an industry secret here, but I no longer work there. I, I think all of my statute of limitations is out there too. <laughs> Eucalyptus. Oh wow! I would never would have guessed. Yeah, guess what? It doesn't grow here. Right, and yeah. it burns so. I mean, it's so it's so bad for wildfires. Eucalyptus. Well, that's just because it's in dry areas. Okay, that's why it's so bad. There's like 200 species of eucalyptus, but it's a it's a very short fiber and it fills in uh, tissue paper really well. There we go. But we've learned to make alder work. Right. We do have alder. We do have lots of alder. We have alder. Yeah. So much alder. Alder and hemlock. Okay. So then, so what's kept you here? Then you said 45 years later, you woke up and you're still here and. Gosh. Well, first of all, I love the climate. You know, just uh, the rain. The rain makes me really happy. Sunshine makes me a little bit anxious. Well, you know how it is. Like when it gets sunny, it's like, oh my God, I should be outside. I should be taking care of that. I should clean the gutters, you know, something really fun. You know, but (laughs) when it's raining, it's like, oh, I can be in the sewing room and I can clean the house tomorrow. (laughs) Do some cooking, baking. No, I like that. Um, I I like being in a small town. I like... um, you know, in a small town, you can be a bigger fish. You know, you can have more impact. And that's important to me. And I grew up in a small town. So it just appeals to me. I don't like going into Portland now is really painful with all the traffic and other things. So let's but, talk about that impact, because I do think that you are quite an impactful person. Um, and you choose uh, accordingly. Uh, how do you how do you choose where you spend your time and where you put that effort? Mm. I think it starts with, um, I can remember when my kids were little, you know, and all the other moms are like working the snack shack and making cookies. And I'm like, not my strong suit. Like I can make cookies. I'm finished. All finished people are born making cookies, but it didn't seem like the highest impact place for me. Instead, I volunteered at the school teaching the kids how to make root beer and the chemistry behind making root beer. We would have advanced to beer, but they weren't quite old enough. Um, (laughs) And so it's usually based on where I think I have some uniqueness and skill or uniqueness of perspective. You know, with the hospital board, I come from a manufacturing background, which I think at first they didn't understand what that meant, you know, in terms of like project management, things like that. Um, but I also have the financial background because that's my, been my second career. So um, it's really about where there should be impact and keeping my money local, um, you know, instead of sending it off to March of Dimes, which is not bad. Mm-hmm. Everybody does their own thing. I'd rather keep my money here and keep my um, volunteer work here. 
Well, <laughs> sort of, except for the international builds. Right. That take you into truly tropical, sunny yeah. places. Yeah, talk about well, that. Okay, so I've done six international Habitat for Humanity builds. And I love those because... It's really easy to sit here in America and whine about how bad we have it. Mm. When you go build somebody a house where you're splitting bamboo to make their floor, and I don't mean like, like on top of their concrete or on, even on top of dirt, just little bamboo slats across a trellis that's up so that the snakes won't come in their house. Mm. You know, mm. that's, you start to appreciate what your life is like. And you're taking people who have um, been living in about a 10 by 6 foot space, 13 people, and you're giving them like a 20 by 20 foot space for 13 people. You know, and we're talking the whole family, grandma to baby. Right. And you realize the difference. So you're building houses where you're building them a house with a dirt floor and that's an upgrade. You know, mm-hmm. their former house had a sewer running right through it. Mm. Um, it just really, it's humbling. Um, and it really allows you to come back and appreciate what we have and what we need to do to serve in this world. How long is one of those stays when you're going somewhere and you're building a house or many houses? How long are you there for? About 10 days usually at a time. Mm-hmm. You know, one team will come in and, and there's teams from all over the world that'll come. You know, you might be followed by a team from the Netherlands. Um, and with your team, do you go with the same team or try to go with nope. people? Oh no. Different teams every time. So you oh, meet okay. new people every time and, and interesting people. I mean, I met a young police officer in her 20s who'd been shot in the line of duty through her cell phone, which is what saved her life. Wow. Yeah, she carried around this cell phone with a broken screen, and that's where the bullet landed. Otherwise, it had missed her bulletproof vest and would have killed her. I mean, that's the kind of people you meet. That's, they're amazing. You get those stories. And do you mm-hmm. complete a home in that 10 days, or are you doing part of it? Generally, you don't complete one. Okay. But yeah, you frequently will go from dirt to walls to a roof. Um, but again, their homes don't have what we have, you know, yeah. right. And do you keep in contact with any of those people at all? Years with the later? team people, but not the families, okay. not the families. And that's, okay. it's not really encouraged because you don't want to create a feeling where one family's got special attention from mm. the outside world. You really only work with the Habitat affiliate in each country. Interesting. So where are you headed next? What's next for you? What's next? Marrakesh. <laughs> oh, sounds fun. That's not a habitat field. That's yeah, just, just, for it's fun. just a creative retreat. And have you been there before? No. Oh, no. Okay. I like going new places all the time. So this is a bucket list item then. Oh, yeah. And yeah. creative retreat. Yep. This sounds like a, I could write a book from this. Yeah. We're <laughs> going to do art. We're going to visit the souks. We're going to ride camels. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> have you been around camels before? <laughs> uh, no. Because <laughs> isn't the rumor they're horrible creatures? Yes. Aren't they yeah. spitting and mean and biting but they are good for transportation in desert climates. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be an experience. Well, maybe we'll have to have her back. So besides volunteering, you, you, know, you talked about when you moved here, you liked the, that it was similar to, to Minnesota. What outdoor activities do you enjoy? Mm, I do a lot of hiking, and I have a pretty big garden. Okay. Like yeah. not garden with food, garden with exotic plants. Mm-hmm. It's more of a plant collection. Okay. And where are your favorite hikes? Anybody that hikes, we always ask that. Yes. Ah, well, do you think I'm going to share that with you? I know. <laughs> Unless so. it's a secret one. Yeah, so. Of course, they're all secret. No, I, Nat Creek is probably my favorite just because it's close to home and mm-hmm. there's a waterfall and how can you go wrong with that? Um, mm-hmm. But I do Nat Creek quite a bit and then I, right up from my house, I can hike the hills. So. Okay, and that's a pretty easy hike that's very picturesque, the Nat Creek one. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, uh-huh. there's you can do it in two chunks, or you can do the big, the whole meal, full meal deal. Yeah. Well, great. Well, do you want to um, give a pitch out for any of the organizations that you support before we end? Oh, I guess I would have to start with uh, Pack Partners, the Charlene Larson Center for the Performing Arts, because they're one of my favorites. But gosh, there's so many good ones: the Harbor, um, Voca, uh, of course, the hospital and the Hospital Foundation. <laughs> we got a, a lot of money need coming up real quick here. Um, yeah, and of course I'm real active with my church too, and we do a lot of different ministries in the community. But I have a particular heart for things with kids and animals and the, and culture and arts. Yes, yeah. well, great. Well, thank and you. Health. Well, yeah, we're so been... glad you stayed here. Thank you for coming, and and thank you for being a a woman in uh, the chemical engineering business and for making science interesting to me for once. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so, thank go you. make some history, buy some toilet paper, and don't buy any things that you'll dissolve your fingers in. Go make some history. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us for An Adventure in History. An Adventure in History is created and produced by the Clatsop County Historical Society and brought to you by KMUN.